as you protect the work. But then once planted, you watch and you wait for harvest time. It takes time to plant seeds, to properly care for them, and for them to produce what you intended, which is fruit. It can be that way with spiritual seed, but how many know and are grateful that God can do in a moment what it would take man many months with seeds naturally? God can take a seed that's planted and immediately grow it into a time of harvest. Of all the things that we see in our culture today, of all the events that we see unfolding, of all the things that people have drawn attention to and are looking at as signs of this or that. To me, when I see things going on like what's happening in our culture today and happening around the world, not just in our society and in our nation, what it says to me when I see, I, maybe just I'm strange, when I see all this chaos and all this anxiety, for me, I see harvest time. I see a time where people are ready to understand that the world we live in doesn't provide answers to the issues that they deal with on an everyday basis. That the culture that we tend to embrace so much doesn't have a clue of how to really live this life. A life that was meant to live um, or be lived in the grace and power of Almighty God. When I see this going on, I'm thinking it's harvest time. John chapter 4, it might seem like an odd passage to read on this theme, but hang with me. And it's a long passage, so it's a story I'm sure you're all familiar with. John chapter 4, I'll begin reading in verse number 5. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, around noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not have anything to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to him, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him, shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go to Call your husband and come here. The woman said to her, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one who you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to her, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and you know what you worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship. God is spirit. For those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I am who you are. I who speak to you am he. So much to unpack there. Harvest time. What a conversation. This woman was minding her own business, just going to the well, and it changed her life. So many themes, so many things happen, but we see what a simple word from the Lord can produce. The first thing that we need to notice is that Jesus came to break down barriers. I want to make a distinction here. He was not just crossing barriers um, uh, barriers physically. Jesus was not just there in body. He was completely there. His heart and his mind were also there. As the woman actually comment, historically the Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. Why, you might ask. 750 years earlier, Assyria had invaded the northern part of Israel and expelled many, but many did not leave. Some stayed behind and became part of the culture that sprang up. And those that were part of Israel that stayed behind and became part of this mixed racial group that sprung up were called Samaritans. And Jews believed them to be traitors to Israel for staying and then getting involved. Jews then, over time, began to believe they were corrupt and immoral. And as time passed, they began to ascribe these negative qualities simply because of what your lineage was and where you were born. So glad we don't have anything like that today in our culture. Add to this, she was not only a Samaritan, but given first century culture, she was this other horrible label. A woman. And she was alone at the well. So since our goal is to be like Jesus, part of what we need to be about is breaking down and going across barriers. Whether they be racial ones, cultural ones, gender ones, financial ones, nationality ones. It doesn't matter to me whatsoever what you look like, how much money you make, or where you've come from. If Jesus is your Lord, we are family. We look at the story of the Good Samaritan where all the other religious elite people walked on the other side of the street when they saw someone in distress who had been beaten by robbers. Do we do that? 
Do we walk on the other side of the street or the other side of an aisle or do what we can to avoid those who may not fit within our comfort zone? Do we let people know just by our actions that we really aren't welcoming them into a space? Jesus came to break barriers because that's part of harvest time. Is to bringing in anybody and everybody. The older I get, the more I'm coming to the idea in my life that it's that my life is not about making other people happy. Some of you may have reached that many, many years ago, and I applaud you for that. But it's taken me a bit of time. My life is not about making other people happy. My life is about making other people or helping other people to grow. To be different than they were today than they were yesterday. And to grow. And sometimes growth requires planting seeds in people's lives. And then allowing those seeds to make the necessary changes in their mind and in their culture and in their mindset and in their outlook that are needed to be able to produce this wonderful season called harvest time. Jesus talked to her because he saw something. Are we willing to take the time to look across these barriers and see something? He saw what is so evident in our culture today in that she was a woman who was living an existence without hope. To me, the number one issue in our world is not economics, it's not violence, it's hope or hopelessness. So much fear, so much anxiety, so much anger, so much hurt, so much pain. And so much pessimism that the way things are is, well, I guess it's always going to be this way moving forward. We live in a hopeless society. So many believe that things are awful and that there's nothing we can do about it, nothing constructive. People will never come together, let alone those people we elect and send to the nation's capital. It's just not going to happen. So much hopelessness. But church, that's where we come in because we serve a God of all hope. We serve a God who has placed that hope deep within us. And no matter what happens to us, no matter what challenging or difficult times or seasons of life we go through, we always have hope. Even when those close to us who are Christians pass, Paul said, we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. We have a hope in Jesus Christ because he is hope. We are a people of hope. We believe in hope because of someone's name, and that name is Jesus. And this hopelessness can be linked to being in a desert without water. I've never walked across the desert. The way I am right now, I have a problem walking down uh, back to the back of the church. But I have been in parts of the world, like in parts of Africa, where it just seems everywhere, even some of the villages and cities, 
have temperatures and heat that makes it seem like a desert. And the greatest commodity there is not money. It's not even food. It's water. Jesus wants to give to everyone living water. He wants to address that anxiety. He wants to address that fear. He wants to address the anger and hurt, which usually comes from the anxiety and fear. People in this day are dying of thirst. The people we see all around us who aren't able to grasp the reality and the joy and the hope that is in Jesus Christ are dying of thirst. They try to quench that thirst with so many other things. Trying to quench your thirst with a bucket of sand is not going to make you less thirsty. Because when you're hot and thirsty, you need water. And when it comes to that thirst that is longing deep within your soul, it needs living water. The world tries everything to satisfy this thirst. It'll try anything and everything. It always amazed me when I would watch on different uh, sports programs. You would, they would do different um, biographies of different stars or, or, or players who had done great things. And then their careers, although they were looking to continue them, might have been cut a little bit short because something came up and now their body was... Uh, just decaying at a rapid pace. And their entire career, they were known for being sensible and reasonable and good citizens and public citizens. But when they were faced with losing what was their fame and losing what made them popular in the entire culture, it amazes me what some people will try and do. I, I, I remember one of a famous football quarterback, I won't say his name, but he all of a sudden began to have his body and his back deteriorate. And he tried some ritual he found in some uh, rainforest uh, village that involved putting all kinds of bugs on his back. And, and, and I, I, man, you're nuts. <laughs> Just nuts. And it is a lot of desperation. But the issue isn't just that his body is decaying. It's having to live in a way and live physically or live in a culture that he's not the same person he was. This is about anxiety. This is about hopelessness. And that requires living water. Living water. Jesus comes to give each of us living water for the deep issues of life. Water that will give you the ability to never thirst again. So where is your hope placed today? It's in our culture. Good luck with that. It's in this nation. Good luck with that. So many Christians that I talk to and some of the conversations we've been having on Thursday nights with the men as we go through this video series on prophecy we believe that these are the last days, and truly the signs are everywhere. So many Christians talk about then the problems in our country, the lawlessness, the immorality, calling right wrong and wrong right. 
and they're correct. Our nation is in going in the wrong direction. And for those who remember when it was different, it hurts and it saddens us. They say they've never seen times like this. And they're right. I've never seen a time in this nation like the one we're living in today. But wait a minute. We believe these are the last days. So I, I, I asked the question Thursday night. What did you think the last days were going to look like? Did you think they would happen in the entire rest of the world, but somehow this nation would be spared? And so, and I had to pose the question, and I'm not saying we shouldn't try to make things better, but if we truly think these are the last days, if we truly believe his, his return is imminent, that his rapture for the church is not that far away, then my, my primary concern is not that this nation gets better, is that we get out there and get into harvest time. And bring the people in. Because the truth is, if these are the last days, I don't want to go back to the not last days. Because I'm of a mindset, even so, Lord, come quickly. The last days means that Jesus will be coming soon for his church. And that is a good thing. That shouldn't make us want to go backwards. I want to go forward. When a farmer plants that seed, they don't want to go back to before they planted the seed. They want harvest time. It should give me a want and a desire to not only get as much living water in me as I can possibly get, but see as many as I can touch and talk to and experience and influence have living water in their lives. I don't want anyone to live their entire lives thirsty and not satisfied. But more importantly than living without living water, I don't want anybody dying of thirst. Not when I have water. And spiritually speaking, without living water, you are spiritually dying of thirst. After this conversation between the woman and Jesus, as it continues, Jesus also makes it clear that he can address her thirst because he knows all about her. He knows everything. He knows that the man she is with right now is not her husband. Very few people I know are comfortable with somebody coming up that they know really well and that they're close to all of a sudden declaring their sins in an open conversation. Let alone someone coming up to them that you have never met before and saying, you know what? That guy you're shacking up with right now? He's not your husband, is he? I got to give some props and admire this woman for her reaction. I think many people in our country today, if that would have happened, would not have responded with, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> they would have responded very, very differently. Very differently. But she understands she's in a moment. And he led before going into her sin talking about 
living water. Full knowledge of her sin. I want to reach people. I want to reach them with the gospel. I want to reach into their lives and let them know there is hope for their anxiety. There is hope for their fear. There is hope for tomorrow and there is strength for today. And doing all of that and being able to accomplish that does not require, I ignore the fact that most people, all, all people are living in sin. I don't have to forget and turn a blind eye to the fact. I don't have to change my mindset that sin is sin. I don't have to start calling wrong, right, and right, wrong in order to be able to reach people with the love of Jesus. In fact, it is because of that love that I'm not going to ignore their nonsense. I'm not going to ignore what has contributed to the pit that they're living in today. The reality that we need to understand is many things happen in our culture today that shock us. You can't shock Jesus. He's seen it all. Even the stuff that hasn't happened yet, he's seen it all. So when we think of the whole idea of harvest time, we are looking at a time when the product of the seeds planted transforms into the fruit that it was always intended to be. And every person in your life, every person in your sphere of influence has the potential to be a fruit person, the product of a seed when Jesus steps in. Even those people, and I know none of you have people like this, but even those people that annoy you, because none of you have people in your life that annoy you. None of you have people in your life that you wish would go get saved, but on some other continent. None of you have people like that, but maybe you can take this message and help somebody else. Harvest time. It's not about going into the field and picking the fruit we like. It's gathering all of it in. All of it in. People with problems that many of us aren't going to understand because we've never experienced them. I've had those conversations with people who will look at me and we'll begin talking. And they'll ask me about the kind of upbringing I had in the life I've experienced and enjoyed. And they'll say, you've never experienced the things I've gone through. So you can't speak to me. You can't understand what it's like to have an addiction. You can't understand what it's like to be this or that or experience this or that. And I just look at them, usually with compassion, but I'll say quite confidently, everybody knows pain. Everybody. Everybody has experienced something. And it's not that Jesus has the solution or the living water that's a separate type of water depending on the pain that you've experienced. It's not like he's got this living water uh, shelf and he's got the elite living water and the Evian living water and the bubble living water and the carbonated living water. He's got living water. Amen. It is a one-size-fits-all. 
I may not be able to speak to every issue of your life, but I know somebody who can. And the reality is the majority of times when we push people away, and now I'm talking to the church, when we push people away because they haven't walked in the exact same shoes that we have, it's a cop-out. We're telling people that I've got to be as off as you. No. God has a plan for your life. That should excite you. It might frighten some, but God has a plan for your life. And his plan involves growth. Growing, not being what you are today. But I've been serving the Lord for many years. So what growing does the Lord have for me? Well, I'm of the mindset that if you're breathing, God's not done with you yet. So please raise your hand if you're breathing. You know how sad it is that not everybody raised their hand? If you're breathing, if your heart is beating, then you have growing to do. You have things to learn. You have places in your spiritual life that need to be different than the way they are today. And that's true of all of us. That's what growing is. The saying is, old saying is true. You can change without growing, but you can't grow without changing. But yet we get to a place where we're so set in our ways, I'm not interested in change right now. Then you're not interested in growth. And growth and change involves planting. Planting seeds and then looking forward to harvest time. This was a harvest moment in this woman's life. And we know the rest of the story that's in the rest of the Gospel of John chapter 4. She was so excited for what Jesus had done to her, she went and blabbed about it. She told everybody. She went and told an entire community, and, they, and she told them, look, this guy told me everything I've done that was sinful and wrong with me. i got to give that community credit. If you told that to your friends, come see this person I've been talking to. He's going to tell you everything you've ever done wrong. Tell me how many would come along with you. I don't want to go meet that person. He's going to tell me and tell me in front of everybody all the things I've spent decades keeping from people. God has got a plan. And the plan involves harvest time. But for there to be a harvest, there has to be a planting and growing. This time, I believe, on God's prophetic calendar is harvest time. Do I believe the Lord can come back at any moment? Yeah, I do. Which is why the harvest needs to be taken in. Not just during my favorite time of year, which is this time of year, but every day. And he can bring in the harvest in those around you. Pastor, I've been talking to this person for a long time. Keep talking. Keep planting. Keep nurturing those seeds with prayer. Even those who seem so far from God, 
even those who seem like they're living lifestyles that are nowhere near God. Even those close to us, and it can break our hearts, but they're mired in fear and pain. They are ripe for harvest. They are ripe for living water. Because living water is the only answer. It's the only solution to that fear. Living water will refresh their lives like it refreshed ours. This was an amazing conversation. One that the woman was just minding her own business. Not even going to get into the truth behind that why she was at the well at the worst time of the day because she wanted to avoid the opinions and comments of other people. We need to be a people who are willing to go into those areas at the worst time of the day and offer living water. But pastor, at the well at noon, it's hot. Then bring water with you. Then bring Jesus with you. We're entering into a time of the year where because of holiday schedules and the way our calendars are situated, we're going to be meeting with people more often and in settings that will lend itself to conversation. Am I saying we should go into these settings and beat people over the head with the Bible? No, because I've yet to have anybody come to me and say, can you help me find Jesus so I can get rid of this headache from being beaten over the head with the Bible? No, but you can love them. You can plant those seeds. You can treat them the way Jesus treats you. As special, as cherished, as wanted, as not the dust of the ground. That's how powerful God's living water is. That, for me, is harvest time. Stand with me, please.